1: Hello and welcome to Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. And today is a Fnatic Halo special. I'm delighted to welcome Patrick Satamon and Colin Johnson. Uh, Patrick is the Chief Gaming Officer for Fnatic and Colin Johnson, also known as Kojo, is the Team Director and New Projects Lead at Fnatic. Uh, Patrick, Colin, thank you so much for coming on. How are you both?
0: Doing well. Thanks for having us. It's doing amazing. Thanks for having us.
1: No problem at all. Um, obviously, just for the transparency of people that are watching and listening, this um, interview was arranged before you announced your Halo roster. Um, so it's going to be slightly different now, and I've actually changed my notes a little bit. Um, but um, you you have now announced that you're going to be c- competing in Halo esports, which is really exciting. Um, Can you just give me an idea of of what Halo eSports mean to you and why you decided as as an organization that that is the right direction for you you guys to go in?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think that when you look at the history of Fnatic, I think it's rooted in FPS eSports. And I think that especially when you look at Halo as an FPS and as an eSport, it's one that, you know, really is just intertwined with the roots of, of eSports in general. I think that. Um, so I think it's kind of a natural fit for Fnatic to be involved in this, and I also think that, like, from a from a personal point of view, I've I've always wanted to get Fnatic into Halo as well because it's kind of where what made me fall in love with esports in the first place. Um, you know, I used to compete back in the day in like Halo Three, and you know, it was my first FPS was Halo. Um, I didn't really grow up in the in the PC generation like Patrick did. Um, so for me, like, this is really where it all started, and um, so for me, it was just a natural, you know. Kind of when we heard about the opportunity, you know, a few years ago now, actually to to get involved, I think for us we were we were really excited, and um, I think working with Microsoft has been a great experience for us so far. I think having like a good developer to work with and a good partner in three four three as well, um, it's it's been a really great um, you know process, and you know even with all the delays and you know uh, kind of all the hiccups that have gone on along the way, not of course not their fault because of COVID, but. Um, yeah, it's 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 been a really great uh, process, and I think that our involvement in in it just feels very natural. I think from a brand
0: identity point of view.
1: Yeah, Patrick, get any more to add from from what Colin said?
0: Yeah, I mean, like Colin addressed, I'm coming from a bit of a different background in terms of platform. I'm a bunch of years older as well, but uh, being been in Fnatic for yeah, roughly 15 years. And when I migrated from being a player um, to a manager, we we actually did run Halo teams in earlier iterations as an attempt to kind of go into the North American market, but that was at a different stage of time, a different business altogether. But the passion and some of the results and some of the legacy, I guess, that we created there, we we felt fondly around recreating that and leveraging a bit from that, surely with the learnings of the last decade, in the sense of how do we run a title, how do we support the players and staff and also, what kind of partner can we be to someone like Microsoft and 343 um, It's always a challenge. Um, obviously, I'm happy to have someone like Colin working very close to me in uh, assessing and addressing, you know, what, what is the trends of tomorrow, essentially. Because uh, obviously, there there are some sports and esports coming and going. Um, you have the legal of Legends CSs of the world. We've been in them now 10 and 16 years, respectively. Halo had a bit of a gap in terms of Fnatic, but... Uh, Volume of hype uh, and maybe even the kind of delays um, contributed to that in a sense, like just anticipation. The teams that are there competing, uh, many of those teams will compete against in other titles as well. Again, Microsoft and Free for Free as a partner, I think it's a it's a really good proposition, and naturally, it also kind of starts and ends with the fact that we love the game and now a bit more multi platform. Um, you know, esport functionalities way more. Uh, I mean, obviously it was an esport title back then, but similar to Counter-Strike, it was harder maybe to compete in, was maybe harder to watch it. It was harder to consume and show fandom in the game. You have Fnatic, you know, IP in the game, similar to other teams, so we can, from the get-go, kind of shine in black and orange armors. I don't know if it shines, but yeah, we look really cool nevertheless. Like, all of those things combined, Microsoft, I mean, recent acquisition, not that we knew that back then necessarily, but just the trajectory here uh, is very positive. So yeah, sorry for the long answer, but super exciting. No, that's perfect. And I've got in my notes
1: here that, you know, you re-entered Halo Esports after, after more than a decade. And during that time, were you thinking, I can't wait for the, the next Halo to come out and for it to be a, a big esport again? Like, were you, were you waiting for your opportunity to, like, to jump on it when, when it did release?
0: I think it depends if you ask me, or if you ask um, Colin, I'm I'm a bit more perhaps the, the kind of data guy and the financial performance and how we're spending our money and time. Um and I play way less video games or computer games than I did in the past. And I'm a countryside guy. If there's a rivalry there, I'm not sure. But I mean, yeah, anyway. Um I haven't spent my time thinking too much around like, yeah, when is the next Halo title, etc. That started to appear, I guess, two, three years ago when we yeah, understood that there might be a new iteration coming, a more esports-friendly version, uh, free to play. Uh, but yeah, I think Colin is is better equipped, obviously, staying very close and rooted to the Halo origin and its audience, which is a fantastic one, an aging one. But we also hope to connect that with a newer audience, maybe some of the Fortnite kids mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of the more modern esports, because that's, that's again the question mark I always have. Um, what are we playing tomorrow and what are we playing five years from now? I mean, it's very competitive out there, but we're doing our best to find the right teams, the right titles and the right partners.
1: Yeah, you mentioned earlier, Colin, like you'd grown up with with Halo. And I remember getting the original Xbox and booting up Halo 1 for the first time. And there's that amazing cut scene in the, in the ship where you see Master Chief walking through all the offices for the first time. That's what I remember um, is that is there like a a real nostalgia element to Halo, even though it's been such a a massive franchise? It coming back in Infinite and having the esports scene again is is that that nostalgia element is that big for you?
2: Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, I think that um you know it's that it's it's one of the few characters that's kind of lasted the, the tests of time um from that period and has continued to be popular and has continued to like people still care about the story, you know and care about, you know, him and Master Chief and Cortana and like all of these characters that we all just treasure and I think that now that Infinite came out and was such a success and people had such a great response to it and um the campaign as well was unbelievable. Um so I think that from from like a if you're a pure Halo fan, I think that you're pretty happy with this game um at this point and I think the multiplayer experience has been like amazing from from the first jump and Um, I think that, you know, when you look back as well at like some of the, uh, you know, mishaps that have happened in the past in terms of like how Master Chief Collection launched and how that was a bit of a mess. And I think it because that I was so excited for when Master Chief Collection came out and when that was a bit, you know, less uh, ideal than than it could have been. I think that moving on to Infinite and seeing how they had learned from their mistakes, I think um, at the time, and it was such a smoother process and everybody was just able to jump in and just immediately jump back into that feeling that they used to have and. The Halo Three lobbies and the Halo Two lobbies way back in the day when you used to, you know, play with your friends or bring all of your consoles over to people's houses and like set up the tables and you know do the old fashioned like LAN parties and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think it's 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 bringing back a lot of really good feelings for people, and I think that uh, it's it's only going to get better because I think it's it's launched and I think there's still so many pieces left to come. I think that that people are waiting on and. I think when when those continue to be added and it, they continue to iterate it as it is a you know free to play game, um, I think it's 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 going to continue to just build on on what's already a great product.
1: Yeah, I think I've been really impressed personally by how quickly they've been able to change things, um, particularly like the online battle pass element that that a lot yeah. of players are moaning about and things, and they've been really quick to change that. Whereas other companies, um, maybe ones that have they've recently acquired, have been a bit slower to address um, yeah. issues in in online games and things, but. For our loyal Level Up listeners, um, you, Colin, you were on Level Up last year yeah. in July. Nice. Um, we talked about the sign of Tex uh, for Fnatic, obviously still your your FIFA player, and you've signed uh, Diogo since then as well. Um, I just wanted to talk to you about shaping the Halo team because we had a real interesting discussion, didn't we, about how you looked for esports players for Fnatic and the personalities that they, they needed to have and the characteristics they needed to have. For, for, for an esport like Halo... That's like been on the down low and then increased a bit more obviously with halo infinite coming out how did that change your way of recruiting players and looking at different players that you could you could get to fanatic
2: yeah i think the ecosystem of halo and halo professional players is a lot different than a lot of other titles that i've operated within because i think that there are a lot of players that have been around for a very long time there's a lot of players that have teamed together for a long time there's a lot of relationships there's a lot of clicks. I think, even, you know, within the scene of like, you know, certain players not really wanting to play with other certain players or a uh, little like rivalries or whatever it might be. Um, so I think it's been interesting to kind of like figure out, OK, like, where are these social circles and like, where are these players that, you know, actually want to work together? Where are the players that just don't care and are like, I want to win, I'll play with anybody type of thing. So I think it's been interesting to dive into that. But I think it's it's still, you know, returns to the core of like, you know, what what we've always looked for, which is, you know players who are kind of on the edge of stardom, who we can just help push over the edge. And I think that that's what we've found in in our current roster. Um, And I think that, you know, looking at so many of these, uh, you know, younger players, I mean, we were scouting players that were like 17, 18, you know, quite young and that people really hadn't heard of that much. And, um, you know, we even ran a combine um, during uh, our scouting process where we invited 20 players from North America to come and basically play in front of our head coach and, you know, basically just give us more, uh, you know, more tape on them essentially and uh, be able to put them in a different environment as well and see how they performed while they were in that environment. And because uh, I think there's some some players that sometimes are like in teams that aren't that, you know, just aren't that good or they're playing, you know, with players that are below their level. So it's like if we put them in this lobby where they're playing with very, very high level players, how are they going to perform? Um, and then I think outside of that too, you know, we've really tried to you know, incorporate the high performance unit, the HPU into our scouting process this time as well, which is done things like the riser tests, which are, you know, tests that are used um, in uh, different professional sports like the NFL. And it basically just gives you a breakdown of uh, the personality profile of the player. Um, And, you know, sometimes you read these things and you're like, this doesn't seem right at all. And then you fast forward a year and you're like, wow, actually, like, that kind of surfaced after working with this player for a while. So I think uh, you know we're trying to use as many tools as possible to make sure that we're as informed as possible when it comes to signing these players and being able to identify risk factors from day one. So that you know as we continue to move on, we're we're preparing for things you know before they even happen. I think which is which is going to be really key. I think in a title like this where um, where you know the, the the pool players is just a bit different.
1: Yeah, we'll go into the players in a bit more detail. But Patrick, first of all, I just wanted to ask you, this is Fnatic's seventh eSport that you'll be competing in um, and you're going into it uh, after a decade of of not being in it. Uh, what What's your overall feelings? Are you excited? Is it a bit daunting being like the new kid on the block again? Um, what, what's your feelings going into
0: it? Yeah, I mean, good question. So daunting in the sense of it just gets more competitive and arguably harder uh, comparing to a of sports with some I guess, outliers out there like the Tom Brady's perhaps, you know, yeah. doing all those records in 2022, uh, maybe 21. I don't know. I'm not a football guy. But the point is, um, being extremely dominant 10 years ago is very different uh, task <laughs> to being that now. Equally, I would say the horizon we invest into is a way longer one plus our abilities, I think, to level people up. So, I mean, if you extrapolate all that and try to make sense out of that, I would say we are as ready as ever to kind of know what we're doing, how we're recruiting. Colin just spoke a bit to our process around that. And it's not that, you know, we can sit with a Matrix movie screen in front of us. It would be like, that's the guy that matches with that. It's a lot of work in the back end, constant decision-making, constant prioritizing. We're a multi-team organization, but I think in short, um, We're here for the long run. Do we expect to win tomorrow? Don't really care too much about that, as long as there is some kind of trajectory that takes us constantly upwards and upwards and upwards. And we are, you know, again, improving our ability to level up. I think that ability is better than ever. But, you know, we are also going to learn, we go into this very open-minded, that there are differences between the titles. There are similarities. And yeah, we just need to be, you know, thoughtful on how we are, you know, putting pressure, asking questions, when to interfere, when to not, and when to do a bootcamp and these things. This, we don't have all the answers. That's not the point. But we have really great people now. We had in the past, but way fewer, and we knew way less, obviously. So Colin, with his background, the, um, the learnings he have had working across multiple types as well, I think, yeah, we are we are well-equipped here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we are taking a slightly different path. We enter with a squad slightly later than the most. Um, but yeah, we expect ourselves to be fighting among the best in... in in six, seven, eight months from now. That, that's that's still the ambition, right?
1: Thank you for getting level up into the Level Up podcast. I appreciate that. I noticed that. So thank you, Patrick. It's um, one of our internal
0: catchphrases. So I don't know. At <laughs> yeah. some point, it might be some infringements here. We need to talk about it. <laughs> We
1: can discuss that, don't worry. We can discuss that down the line. Um, yeah, it must have been tempting for you, Colin, uh, from what, just off what Patrick said. It must have been tempting for you. Instead of going for like a younger team that have potential but can deliver now and then you've got the longer term, it must have been tempting for you to just try and pluck the players that were the best 10 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, How tempted
2: were you to do that? Or was that not ever an option for you? Um... I think it's tough because I think there's like different pools of players like you have players that were good 10 years ago that are still good now and are still competing at the top level. Like players like Snipedown, for example, who's like still playing at like a top three, top four level. Um, Pistola as well is another player who's like obviously been around for forever and is still competing at an extremely high level. But then you have a lot of players that just kind of like came out of the woodworks that haven't really been good for a while but now see the opportunity and see the hype and see the amount of teams that are looking to invest in Halo. And, you know, kind of came out of the woodwork and we're like, Hey, I'll build a team for you. Um, and, you know, I think that we had to explore every single opportunity. So, you know, we took the meetings and we, you know, explored every, you know, Avenue that was open to us, especially as, you know, being one of the teams with, you know, that decided to take the approach that we did. Um, so, but I think that we, we, I had always kind of, I think we'd are always approached this with the view to, still stick to our guns which was building a young roster that has potential for the future potentially building around one you know more seasons veteran player um but i think that ultimately we couldn't find the person that we ultimately like 100 believed in that could take the team forward um i think that if there was that player then we for sure would have loved to have invested in that player but i don't think that player was necessarily out there for us um so i think that's why we've you know gone a bit younger we've gone a bit um, more on the potential side and are going to look to build up from there. And I think that, you know, you can build up leaders within teams a lot of the time as well. So it, I don't think you have to come in with with someone who's a, a bit older and has a lot of experience um, in a bunch of different Halo titles. Um, I was more excited to see, like, what was going to happen from, you know, players coming in from different titles, from Apex Legends, from, Fortnite from all these different titles, because I mean, that's what Valorant is, right? Valorant is just a bunch of kids from CSGO, from Apex, from Valorant, or from, uh, you know, Fortnite, from, you know, from Warface, you know, from like all these different weird titles. Um, So I think it's actually been a lot less than I thought it would be, but I think it's, because it's free to play, it's just gonna be, it's gonna take a while, you know, it it takes a while for players to understand how to play Halo. Halo's quite a team-based game, you know, so it's, I think it's harder to shine a lot of the time. but I think as players continue to like learn the the ropes of, of the game, we'll see more and more you know top players starting to cycle through that aren't necessarily endemic to the Halo space.
1: Tell me about your team then. You mentioned that you've gone a bit younger with your team. Um, so you've got. If, apologies if I don't pronounce them right, but I'm just reading them no, screen for the first time. So M Mvor, uh, Jazero, Skeptify, and Super CC. Your four Correct. players. Yeah. Um, tell me about them. And why you think they're a good fit for Fnatic?
2: Yeah. So I think that when we went into Raleigh, um, we obviously attended Raleigh in person to scout the event itself, um, and we had a list of fifteen to twenty players that we wanted to keep an eye on while we were there. That group of four was on the list. Um, I think that when uh, when Super CC left uh, Kansas City Pioneers, I think that he was a player that we're a really big fan of. Um, And I think that he's, you know, an extremely talented player and can play at a top three, top four level consistently. And so I think that when he went to go team up with the boys he teamed up with who have been, you know, consistently, a, you know, top, you know, top 12, top 16 team. I think that we saw a group of players that, you know, had had some experience together, had a good ceiling in front of them. And with the correct support and a good coach, um, not to say that Micron wasn't a good coach, but just, you know. In a a better scenario at Fnatic, uh, with the full support of an organization, we thought that their ceiling could be even higher. And I think that we saw that from day one. I mean, the first Pro Series they played, we played Space Station Gaming, who was consistently a top four, top six, you know, top eight sometimes team. Um, And we beat them. And then we played FaZe and almost beat FaZe, who's been consistently top two, top three um, as well this season. So um, I think from day one, we immediately showed that these guys do have the ceiling. But then, of course, the next week they go out, and we struggled a lot more, and we didn't even make it out of open qualifiers. So I think it's for us, it's just about finding that consistency. And like Patrick said, like it's all about improvement, right? It's all about getting better and continuing to improve. Um, but I think that you know all of them come from Halo Five. All of them you know have experience in Halo Five. Um, they've all played you know up with a bunch of different you know top top pros as well uh, on different teams. So they all have the experience, even though they are quite young. Um, and I think that especially with how old a lot of Halo pros are, they have a lot of, you know, room left um, with, uh, you know, the ages being between the ages of like 20 and 22, with Jazeera being the oldest of 24. So for, you know, if you're talking about Valorant, like that's not a super young team, but for Halo, it's, it's quite a young team. Um, and I think that we're really excited for the, you know, for the long-term potential of this team as we continue to, you know, grow and, and scrim and work on the things that, you know, that we're bringing in from from different uh, FPSs as well about, um, you know, things that they can improve on and things that we see just from day one that they can immediately fix that maybe without having that, you know, outward eye looking in from different titles, they might not have, you know, realized themselves because Halo is quite an insular esport. You know, it's it's not as collaborative with other esports as as like, you know, Valorant and CS, for example. There's a lot of things that you can cross over from there. Um, and they, a lot of those players talk to each other all the time. Like our Valorant boys and our CS boys talk, you know, relatively frequently, but if you go into, you know, Halo and Valorant, there's not a ton of not a ton of crossover. So
1: Thank you for that. Um that was really, really interesting talking about your roster and, and why you went for those players. Um Patrick, I just wanted to talk to you. You already mentioned about having the fanatic skins in game, um, which is really interesting. We're seeing that, aren't we, more and more of po- it's getting more and more popular now with esports teams having the 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 kits and stuff in in the games. Um it's, it's exciting isn't it the future of esports we get into a point now where there's there's like always a, a new game coming out there's always there's always something the, that's the great thing about the game and, and esports industry isn't there's always a, a new game on the horizon or a new category of player or there's always players coming through um what do you see for the next couple of years with, with Fnatic? obviously Halo is going to be a big investment for you guys now but um can you look into your crystal ball for me and and for over the next few years what what do you see Fnatic doing
0: yeah, I guess the constant arrival of new titles, and new platformers, etc. I guess it's a matter of perspective, whether you should be super excited about that or not. If you're a pro player in an old school game, old school game being replaced by something new, well, maybe you need to look for a new job or you need to start to grind again. But again, for an organization standpoint, because I, I kind of sit on two chairs in that regard, CSGO came around when I, I was on my peak of CS 1.6, the previous game. Well, you had Source as well, I guess, if you were from Britain or France and some other regions. Point is, um, as an organization now and running this and just trying to keep a bit of finger on the pulse, um, it's inevitable that we will go from the current seven titles to way, way, way many more titles and also have, you know, subdivisions in a sense for, if not all, at least every title we've had for a while, where a bit of a play population had grown up and we have learned our lessons. Um, I'm speaking about Academy, I guess, specifically. So Crystal Ball would suggest that, you know, the the movement towards web 3.0 and the metaverse, a uh, fancy word, um, just looking actually at the last 10 years, I'm realizing how we have went from eSport tiles dominating that were more or less kind of patched, hacked, or otherwise modified in order to be competitive in them or to watch them, so I'm thinking Counter-Strike came out of uh, Half-Life. You're thinking Dota came out of Warcraft 3, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe, maybe some, yeah, anyway. Um, now you have more tools. Um, if you are a smart guy uh, or girl and you want to develop a game, you have a lot of things in your toolbox, and I think you will have more over time. Um, there will be way more diversity, but we, we need to obviously really distill down for us like at what point is it an eSport game versus like a game? I mean, back, back in days, day, it was like multiplayer and single-play games. Now you have so many more things to consider. But I guess I'm just using this for myself a little bit to brainstorm. I realize I don't give you the most kind of distilled down answer you like to see, but more titles. We saw, again, the last 10 years, a constant tsunami of game developers turning focus into free-to-play games that were built and featured for eSport purposes social functions, rankings, uh, in-stream um, you know, functionality, all of those things. And that kind of progress will just continue. Now they don't compete necessarily about having the best single player or the best pricing or the best marketing. It's also like, yeah, how do you actually you know, measure yourself as a performance uh, or performer in the game? And what kind of status does that have? Can you build a career on that, et cetera? Um, but I do think, um, as as also like looking at a little bit the last few years, a trend which is going more, not exclusively, but more into um, a, a bigger dominance of team-based esports. I think the kind of human interaction has become easier. It's not only the Roger Vilcos, the mumbles and ventrillos you now rely on. You have Discord, it's a centerpiece in everything we do, I guess. I just think about what that means in two, three years from now. Facebook obviously going into the meta structure all the stuff they do, not saying that they will own and, and dictate the future, but I'm just thinking out loudly how you started to speak about in-game items. What is the future on that? The only thing I feel, I mean, I feel a lot, I guess, but I feel a lot of confidence as a starting point. What kind of role, what kind of place, what kind of position we as an organization can have with that? And, and that's something we need to be very accountable for because I mean, we really want to drive it back also to our kind of core, which is how do we level you up? Uh, how do we make your game better? Because um, that's a kind of brand promise that we have, which in its um, purest form right now is manifested by how we are supporting our pro players and academy players. But I think that can go in the future take so to speak, way beyond those small groups of players, the small demographic they actually represent, which is everyone that is competing. Can we help them one way or another for our products, for our software? Ideally also, you know, the skins and those things can take, be taken into a different place because obviously right now it's quite cosmetic, but immensely important for us to obviously like sports, especially during COVID, no venues, no arenas, very little physical aspect to eSport other than the kind of eye and hand keyboard movements you do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something we're looking at very favorably, but exactly how that will be represented in, in a few years' time. Let's see. But we're looking to play a leading role into that and give it back to the audience and the players and the stars of tomorrow, essentially, I guess is the way of kind of summarizing it up.
1: Yeah, and I d- Matt, were you going to come in on something? I see you lingering near the microphone. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> you mentioned, Patrick, there about uh, CSGO and League of Legends. Um, I don't know how many times people have said, like, that, you know, the esports dead, but they're still, like, going strong now, like decades on from when they've, it must be quite difficult sometimes when something new comes along. Is this actually gonna stand the test of time? Um, I can get that's quite a difficult decision, isn't it? From your point of view, whether to put all your resources into something that might not be around in a year's time.
0: It's impossible even, how, how, how do we best yeah. do this? There are several games we have invested into the past that are more or less uh, dead uh, quote unquote in a year's time. Uh, there are other titles, like we invested into PUBG Mobile a year ago or so, and then there was a political crisis that um, res- re- resulted in the title being banned in the, reason we, uh, in the region we have chosen. So it's a lot of like, you know, tricky territory to, to, to get over. Um, but I think we speak about helping teams, helping players, and building a performance platform to support that, that we're getting better on that. But equally on the kind of business intelligence side, our collaboration with game devs and publishers and tournament organizers um, it's a more, let's say, future. Future. It's, we're trying to paint up a bit more of a future state, which is not just like, well, let's commit six months and see what happens. But can we predict, can we prepare for everything? Surely not. But can we at least, every kind of thing we um, input in can give an output, whether that's in that title or another title down the road. But we are... Yeah, a, a multi-team organization. We will always be, and more so in the future. We are in seven titles now. A few years ago, we were actually in 11 titles, but we realized maybe we're getting a bit kind of caught up with you know um firefighting and you know minor problem solving and not really be able to build those kind of building blocks and fundamentals to support teams. And that made us reduce the title count for time being, but it's a temporary state. But yeah, I a I, I little bit lost track on the question itself. But it's definitely challenging to know how we best spend our time, resources, and money and attention. Um, so I think we have a good balance in that kind of force right now. But the future suggests that we need to staff up more. We need to have more pre- performance facilities. We should do more outside of Europe. We are a global organization. We have teams all around the world still. But obviously, we are quite centric around Europe right now, from a like back office standpoint and facilities. Um, but to be that kind of ultimate performance brand that we hope to be one day, uh, if we aren't already in the current competition, we obviously need to yeah, think about technology, we need to be a facility, we need to think about leadership training and all of those things. Because um, ultimately, I think that's what game developers want from us. Uh, Legal Ed is a good example. I don't have the player count and player data. I think that that they keep quite keep that quite close to the chest, but, you know, it's a... Growing title from a viewership and fandom standpoint. Everything I see, at the very least, those numbers are public, and uh, it's very rewarding that we can still kind of think back and talk about and build storylines about backdoors in the past, poor decisions from people like myself in off season, how we're now coming back strong from that. Um, but yeah, I think there are those developers out there, uh, right? I, I I I I stress being one of them that have. You know, through active means, and not only like here's my title. Let's see what community does with it. A mixture of that, and giving it back to the player, but also building something internally. Now also more a media company with Netflix shows and whatever. But you know, I'm 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 not sure because I don't have the the data to support that. But maybe this is just like an improved engine, a improved graphic, and whatever. But I think Legal audience is here to stay, and Fanatics' role within Legal Adience. But will it be as dominant in the in the world of MOBA? maybe not because it's going to be be more competitive. But again, the world I'm speaking about is one where we can actually supply, you know, communities, players, fan bases, um, with the appropriate amount of attention on a more long-term horizon. Because again, I, I, I admit that, let's say the last 15 years of our business, sometimes it's been kind of in and out of certain titles. And that's nothing we like, obviously, that we see that a bit as a failure sorry for the long answer
1: no that was that was brilliant thank you very much for that and I know we're short of time but Colin I just wanted to go back to you because I can't let you go without asking about your FIFA lineup because Texan Diogo is on paper such a strong lineup yeah Um, the talent is just off the scale that you've got there Um, what are you hoping for them this season I know there's going to be it's going to be disrupted by COVID probably uh, over yeah. the next few months um but what what do you see i mean can you can you win the big one this year surely it's it's in within your sights
2: yeah i mean that's like the that's the only goal you know i think it's uh when we A, A World out, cup. yeah yeah i think that when we and i think the april cup as well you know i think yeah. we we go into everything at this point expecting to win it um and i think that you know there's always that concern when you bring in uh when you play 2v2, because, I mean, it's a brand new eSport, right? I mean, we're yeah. we're basically playing a different game now, so yeah. when you bring in a player as good as Diogo and you pair him with a player as good as Tex, you never really know how that's going to mesh, you know, because it's it's a stylistic thing, you know? Like, you yeah. you could have players that, the 65th best player and the 33rd best player in the world, maybe they somehow combine and just 2v2 with our magic, you know? But I think that we have seen, as, as uh, Diogo and as Donovan have played together a lot more, like, they're just getting better and better, and, you know, when they started... It was a bit rough. I think the first ever cup they played in, they finished like top 32 or something. But ever since then, it's like consistently, you know, like top four, top twos, winning, winning cups and stuff. And um, even, you know, Donovan got to go out to the uh, 1v1 tournament out in Germany recently and placed second and, you know, just barely lost out on winning, winning another trophy. So it's, you know, if there's... If there's any esports tragedy that I'm pretty upset about that COVID's really disrupted, it's 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 been Donovan's career and it's been the fact that we haven't been able to see Diogo and, and Tex actually play together um on a big stage because we I mean we were supposed to be there right now, actually, as we speak in January, you know, with the cup that got canceled. And uh I'm still hoping obviously that the cup in April is is gonna happen, but you know, with COVID and everything that's been going on there and um, with the, the amount of cases happening in Europe right now with with Omicron, obviously, like the UK has decided to take the direction of like, you know, it's kind of over here, like, but obviously not every country's at that stage yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, when we found out that Diego was available, it was, it was just like, he was my number one target, but I had no idea that it was even a possibility. But so once we, you know, were made aware that it was a possibility, it was, it was the easiest decision of my life. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, between Texas and Diogo, I mean, I think that you have the two best and two highest potential players in the world, in my opinion. So I, th- I think that whenever we go into, and I think it's it's, it's good too, because we have other teams now too that I think are really talented, like Tom and Gorilla over at, um, at XL yeah. um, are a really great team. And um, like Nicholas as well, coming over from, uh, from Argentina to play uh, for Guild as well. I think that when you look at all of these different teams that are coming out now in Europe, I think there's a lot of strong strong talent, but um, I still think that we're far and away the, the best team in the world at this point. It's just unfortunate that, you know, we don't really get to prove it with uh, yeah. with the way that, you know, we haven't been able to have any events over the last, like, you know, two years almost, yeah. it feels like.
1: Yeah, FIFA Esports is just, uh, it's been a real shock for me how it's kind of just fell off the face of the earth, and like we saw, I had to yeah. Google it, actually, before. I was at the um, the last E-World Cup where Mo Alba won, and that was yeah. in 2019, and that yeah. just seems like a lifetime a lifetime ago
2: um he's I'm actually be, he's just been defending his title just by hanging exactly. out in, in his bedroom you know it's three been milking
1: <laughs> three, <it. laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. three year consecutive world champion without exactly. uh, actually playing competitively so i think he's exactly. retired now basically i mean so <laughs> yeah, he might but, as well hadn't he? you know yeah might yeah. as well retire on top at this point so exactly
1: um, and the thing with fifa you said about the game changing we've just had a patch so i don't know what um what donovan and dioga think of that i've not seen very good um responses about the latest patch but that's a game you said league of legends changes patrick um and csgo can change as well the different formats and stuff um fifa tends to change every couple of months with every update it tends to get more defensive Um, yeah i'm sure colin will tell you about that anyway
2: yeah it's it's not Mm -hmm. ideal i mean i think that that's why we've even pushed you know um, for example, when, when we ran our tournament, uh, I think it was like a year ago or, uh, 18 months ago when we ran the, uh, the UK masters, yeah. which was all based around changing the settings to make the, uh, game more attacking. I think we averaged like seven goals per game or something in yeah. that tournament. And it was so much better for the, for the spectators. So, you know, I think that when it comes to FIFA, like the more we can experiment and format, the better I think, because I think that, you know, when, when you push players to, you know, play to win instead of. Play to not lose. I think that you yeah. get a much better experience for the spectators. So,
1: yeah. yeah, and I think the talent comes through as well. When there's exciting exactly. games and when it's close and when the yeah. you know it's on a knife edge and there's one goal in it, if it's like yeah. a seven goal thriller, you really see the best players. And like you but, know, watching Tex from you know early age when he was at F two, like winning the Premier League in like amazing fashion and like seeing how he's come back yeah. and winning tournaments and stuff we just haven't been able to see that in recent years so hopefully that yeah. can change but um, it's easy
2: for me to say right that i want the game to be more attacking when i have techs on. techs well, yeah, and, yeah. and when i have diogo yeah. signed to, to i mean two of the best attacking players in the world so it's like exactly. you know do, does does like Crazy fat gamer who's, you know, like one of the best defensive or in the past has been one of the best defensive players. Does he really want to go like toe to toe and yeah. go all out against Tex? Like, probably not. Right. Nah. um nah. But, but yeah. I, I for sure like the more goals the better, right? I mean that's what the fans want to see. So. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, I won't be. I wouldn't be surprised if you're on to EA for next year. You make it a bit more open, please. You know, push the defense up another fifty yards or something. Cause yeah, exactly. Get, get rid of the, the
2: goalkeepers. Get rid of the goalkeepers. Get
1: rid of drop back.
0: Get rid this of. At this point, we just want to compete. So whatever, on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's just, yeah. Play.
2: Let us play. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it might not even be called FIFA next year. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, great. Right. You never know. You exactly. Never know. But I, I really, really appreciate the time you spent with us. It's been really, really cool to chat with you guys about Halo and about FIFA. And I can't wait to see what you guys do in the future. Obviously, you're an amazing brand already at the moment. And by the way, I love the series that you did with BMW and Fnatic um, with with Tex. I thought that was really, really cool the way you did that. Um, the production value on it and i thought that was like a really yeah. human element of a human side to to an esports player and everything they have to go through so really enjoyed that just wanted to touch on that as well um, but thank you so much for spending time with us i wish you all the best for the over the next few years and with halo esports and uh, i'll keep an eye on what you're doing but thank you very much appreciate it thank you so thank much, you very much
2: appreciate it